Today we are continuing in a message series called Anxious for Nothing, Finding Calm in a Chaotic World. Uh, We are in a new year that brings lots of hope and excitement. It also brings some anxiety. What might happen to us this year? And so we're looking to the scriptures to find out how God can help us deal with our anxiety. Uh, This is based on a study by uh, Pastor Max Licato. We've got a picture of his book. You don't have to read the book, but if you want to get that at any bookseller, it will help uh, um, make the service and sermons kind of go home with you. It kind of enhances that. So thankful uh, to Max Licato for writing this book. As we think about anxiety, what is anxiety? It's uh, it's characterized by extreme uneasiness of mind or brooding fear about some contingency in the future or to be worried. It's from a Latin word, anxious, which means to choke. Anxiety can choke us, right? It kind of feels like we're being choked. And some of us suffer from an anxiety disorder, right? Kind of takes this to a whole nother level where anxiety is intense, excessive, and doesn't go away. It gets worse over time and symptoms interfere with our daily activities such as job performance, school, relationships, etc. If this sounds like something in your life, an anxiety disorder, then in addition to what we're doing, reading scripture and talking to God, then maybe you also want to consider maybe talking to a professional, maybe a doctor or a counselor or someone who can also help you walk through an anxiety disorder. And Pastor Lindsay and I would love to speak with you about that if that's something uh, that we can help you with as well. Um, And as we do this, uh, this series, we're based in a small passage of Scripture uh, in the New Testament, Philippians 4, 4 through 8, written by a pastor in the first century named Paul. He's writing to some Christians who lived in Philippi, the Philippians. Uh, And so this is kind of the backdrop for our whole series. Uh, And come up with this cool acronym as we deal with CALM, right? We celebrate God's goodness, which we talked about last week. Today we're going to talk about asking God for help. And then the next couple of weeks, leave your concerns with God and meditate on good things. So today we're talking about asking God for help with our anxiety. And again, anxiety is not a sin. It's just an emotion. We're just trying to figure out how we can deal with that in our lives. So I want to jump back in time to 1962. And there was a group of four Russian submarines off the coast of Russia. They thought they were going to be assigned to uh, some uh, maneuvers off of Siberia, which is also very cold, even colder than what it is here today. Uh, But they were surprised that their orders were going to take them 5,000 miles around the earth to be in Cuba to help set up a base there. And so these four Russian submarines were nuclear submarines. They each carried a nuclear warhead Uh, that could do something bigger than what happened in Hiroshima uh, during World War II. And so they set off across the globe for a good part of that. They were were driving the submarines above the water level, right? So until they ran into a hurricane. And this hurricane was pretty rough. It made the sailors pretty nauseous. It messed up some of their, uh, their instruments and stuff. And so they had to dive down deep until they got into Cuba. Uh, And they they discovered that their submarines were made mostly for cold water, and they were in warmer water. And so some of the temperature in the submarines could get over 100 degrees. So think about being seasick, you're hot, you're claustrophobic in these submarines traveling 5,000 miles around the world. And then when they get into the area around Cuba, which of course is off the coast of America... They discover that the American Navy has picked them up on sonar and has started to drop depth charges in the water around them, which are huge bombs and explosions going off. So you're tired, you're hot, you're nauseous, your instruments aren't all working, and the Americans seem to be trying to blow you out of the water. 
And so you talk about anxiety, that anxiety level was probably through the roof of these nuclear submarines. And the captain was ready to fight. He was ready to, to fight the Navy ships. It's like, even if we get sunk and go down, we're going to do this for Russia, and we're going to launch our warheads on four cities in America, and likely start World War III. This close in 1962 to doing that. But his chief of staff pulled the captain aside and said, Captain, can I talk to you just briefly one-on-one? And his chief of staff was very calm, and he said, hey, Captain, I know we're under stress here, but and maybe you just need to call the Americans and say, well, you know, let's see if we can work this out. And so the chief of staff was able to calm down the captain. He called the Americans. They had this dialogue or whatever. Long story short, the Russian subs eventually just submerged and they went back home. Imagine that, that close to World War II, right? So that, le- I mean, to World War III, that's right. We already had two. We don't want three, right? So that close. Uh, but this one guy had this calm sense of presence about him. And so it was 40 years until this information was revealed. And this is the guy's name, Vasily Arkhipov. Right? This guy saved the world. He literally saved the world, at least our world, right? our portion of the world, by having that conversation with his captain. In that intense, tight situation that was super stressful, This one Russian chief of staff saved the world. Do you know anyone like him? Do you know anyone who has that cool and that calm demeanor, who even in the midst of very stressful circumstances can still remain calm, even though they're probably fighting the anxiety deep down inside of themselves? And if not, what would it be like for us to be a little more like this guy who helped save the day because he remained calm? So I want you to think about in your life right now, who are the people in your life that you can turn to who have that calming presence when you're anxious and stressed and you need some help before you do something that's boneheaded or make a bad decision? Who are the people in your life who have that contagiously kind of calm presence about them? Well, we're going to go back to Scripture today. Again, we're in Philippians 4. Uh, We started last week with the Scripture that said, Rejoice in God always. Again, I say rejoice. We talked about that. If you missed that last week, you can hop on our website and check that out. But today we're in the next verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, where Paul says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So we think about anxiety. We think about helping calm people down. Let your gentleness... Right? Be evident to all. Maybe it's like a calming feeling. The Lord is near. Let's look at what the word gentleness means in the original Greek that's behind uh, the English in the Scripture. Right? So gentleness is from this Greek word. Right? It means a temperament that is seasoned and mature, an attitude that fits the occasion, a level-headed and tempered person, a gentle reaction of steadiness, even-handedness or fairness. Right? So the opposite of gentleness would be panic, right, and just chaos, right? Gentleness is kind of like that calm Russian guy on the submarine who just kept it all together, right? Let your gentleness be evident to all. It's kind of like you're calm, but also your calm becomes contagious. When other people who are stressed around you get around you, then they begin to become calm as well. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Right? Think about those people who are calm in your life. Right? Most everybody probably knows it. Their family knows it. Their friends know it. The people that work with them or go to school with them know it. Right? And, and if you're around that calming presence, a lot of times it can become contagious and kind of disarm the anxiety 
that we're feeling in our lives? Who are some of the, the calming, gentle people that you know in your life? The ones who are saying, you know what? It's crazy right now. I don't know what we're going to do to get through this, but we're going to be okay. Right? I think about a coach uh, of a sports team who might be down one point and they have the ball with five seconds left and there's 20,000 people screaming against the team, right? Call a timeout and the players are young and they're scared. They don't know what to do. They're a little stressed out. And the coach says, hey, man, this is crazy. This is, this is crazy. I know it's, all these people are cheering against us. It's, the odds are against us, but it's going to be okay. Here's the plan. Let's carry that out. Same thing happens in boardrooms, right? When, when something's not going right at work and it seems like the whole company's going to fall apart, they have that one leader that stands up and says, you know, it's nuts. You know what we're going to do? Exactly. We're going to figure it out. It's going to be okay, right? Who's that person? And maybe it's God calling you to be that person, right? It's like a teacher in a classroom with all these kids. Maybe they're teenagers or, or young children, right? You're, you're trying to you're balance 20 or 30 kids at the same time and keep everything calm. I remember when I first uh, started uh, dating my wife, Laura, when we were just starting to go out, she was a kindergarten teacher, uh, and she invited me after we'd been going out a couple of times to come and meet her class. And so you got all these little five-year-olds and all this energy going around, and, you know, I expect all this kind of chaos and stuff, and I go into a room, and they're all kind of like just calmly behaved and and all that kind of stuff, and a couple of them get kind of ramped up, and Laura doesn't even have to yell. She just says, you know, kind words to them, and they go about it. Like, if that was me being the teacher, they'd have me duct taped to the wall, <laughs> right, throwing stuff at me. They'd be watching TV and drinking the Coke out of my refrigerator. Right? Like, some people just have that ability right, to be a calm, a contagious, calm person, to have that gentleness, and it's evident to all, right? And so who is that person? And what's holding you back from being that person, right? I mean, you can have a fiery, passionate personality and still be calm in difficult circumstances. And so Paul says, right, let your gentleness be evident to all. Everyone can be gentle. Everyone can be calm. And why is that? Remember what he said? He says, the Lord is near, right? When we are in an anxious uh, situation, when we're having an anxiety in our lives, how can we be calm? What can we draw on? We can draw on the Lord that we're not alone, that the Lord is near, that God is with us, that in the midst of whatever we're facing, we might not understand how we're going to get through it, but God is with us. Remember last week we talked about God is in control, right? So we can take calmness and, and gentleness from the presence of God in our lives. We see it all throughout Scripture. God says to Abraham and Sarah, I want you to leave your homeland, the only place that you ever lived, and uproot your whole life and go to another country. And he says, I know it's going to be a little stressful, but I'll be with you, right? Be calm, I will be with you. To a woman named Hagar who was cast out into the desert with her young son, Ishmael, right? Not knowing how she's going to live, God says, it's okay, I'm going to be with you, and it's going to be all right to be calm, right? To, to be with Joshua, who was supposed to be the new leader of the people of Israel, right after the former leader, Moses, had died, right? All these people, a whole nation of people, he's leading from Egypt into a new land of Israel, right? Well, how am I going to lead a whole group of people, right? A whole nation of people, God says, I got your back, right? I am with you. I am near. Right? I like this quote from Max Lucado. It says, do not assume that God is watching from a distance. A lot of time we think God is like off in outer space or somewhere else in the universe and not really checking in on our lives. God is with you. God is with you, cares about your life, your, your home life, your work life, your school life, your, your hobbies, your extracurricular lives, like all those anxieties that are in your mind. God is with you. God is near. 
So you can be gentle. You can be calm because you have God with you in your lives, right? And so we think about that in, in our lives. Um, so we also think about being calm and trusting Jesus to be there with us. I don't know if you remember the story. One time Jesus and his disciples had done all this ministry with like thousands of people. The Bible said there were 5,000 men there. That doesn't include women and children. So if you've got 5,000 men, you've probably got several thousand women, several thousand children. All right, so Jesus and his disciples, they're in Israel by the Sea of Galilee. It's this beautiful big lake. And they've been ministering to these people. And, and it's near the end of the day. And all these people are out there. Just imagine like if you were in Detroit today or in Buffalo today, those football stadiums are going to be packed with thousands of people, kind of like the same deal. Right, so Jesus, it says Jesus took compassion on the people who were there, and he, he told the disciples, we need to get them something to eat. Right? And they didn't have DoorDash back then. Uh, they didn't have you know, Domino's delivery or, or whatever. And, so, and, and the disciples were like, well, it's getting late, God. You know, Jesus, it's getting late. You know, how are we going to feed them? Right, that's a lot of people. We need to send them home and let them go home and feed themselves. And Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. Now, I don't know if this was a test or this just what Jesus is saying from his heart, but you talk about anxiety, right? we got thousands of people to, f- to feed here, and what do we have? Hey, guys, let's, let's get our food out together. we got five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus, it ain't going to work, right? Five loaves, two fish. I mean, unless we're down in Charlotte or the Carolina Panthers Stadium, that might feed a whole crowd that's there. <laughs> or the Dallas Cowboy crowd. i got to throw them under the bus too, right? 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 But, but these people are hungry. How are we going to be able to do that? How are we going to be able to do that? And so, long story short, they forget who they're with. These people have seen Jesus do amazing things. They've seen him right, help a man who's not walked in years stand up and walk. He's helped people who've been blind to literally be able to see again. He has calmed a storm, right, a huge thunderstorm, all this rocking and rolling waves and lightning and thunder. Jesus calls it to stop. Jesus brought somebody back to life. And the disciples forget all that. They're so anxious. We've got to feed these people. How are we going to feed these people? They forget who is with them. And all they have to do is ask Jesus for help. But they don't do it. So Jesus says, let me have what you have. Right? He takes the five loaves, takes the two fish. He blesses it. It multiplies. feeds all these people. It has all these baskets left over. Right? In their anxiety, the disciples forgot to ask Jesus for help. And I don't know about you, but I can identify with that. Like, I have anxiety in my life. I'm a pastor, and sometimes I forget to ask Jesus for help. I try to do it myself. And usually that just leads to more stress in my life. But when I stop and I say, Jesus, I don't know how we're going to do this, how I want to get through this, but I know you're with me. Please help me. So another lesson today, right? Instead of starting with what you have, start with Jesus. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to be able to, to meet this deadline? How am I going to do this with my sport? How am I going to do this with my music? Right? How am I going to do this with my kids? Right? Instead of starting with what you have, start with Jesus. We start with Jesus, then he's going to look at what we have. What do you have? I have five loaves of bread and two fish. That's all I need. Right? If you're facing anxiety right now and you're stressed out, it's important. Yeah, you, you play a role in how you fix that, but let's start with Jesus. God is with you. Right? Let your gentleness Right? Be known to everyone. Why? Because the Lord is near. So there's this 11-year-old boy who grew up in rural Georgia, kind of on a homestead. And part of his duties as the boy in the house with his other family members was to get firewood or kindling 
to help the, the wood stove where they cooked and to be, have a big fireplace in the hearth to heat the house. Right? That was part of his job. And, and one of the best ways that he did that was he, he found all these pine trees that had been cut down. He'd get the stumps out and chop them up because they had all that pine resin in the pine stumps. So you get that into the fire, get into the wood stove, and that stuff will burn for a long time. And so that was kind of like a cool thing for him to do. And one day he found this huge uh, pine stump, pine tree stump. And so he went at it. He got his crowbar, you know, he got a shovel. He started going at it. All day long, this little boy is just trying to get this stump out. And he just, he didn't make any progress at all. And his dad came home for whatever he was doing and came out to check on his son and said, how's it going? He's like, dad, you know, I'm trying to get this stump out. You know, I've done everything I could think of. And his dad, well, he says, well, son, that's great, but you just, you haven't used all of your strength. And the son's like, yes, I have. I've been here all day. I've been crowbarring this thing. I've been hitting it with the shovel, right? I've been, I can't use any more strength. And the father said, no, 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 you don't understand. You haven't asked me to help. My strength is your strength. My strength is your strength. I think we do that with our Heavenly Father, right? Sometimes we're trying to dig those stumps out of our lives, and it's causing us lots of anxiety. We're working hard. We're doing things, you know, all the right things that we should be doing, but it's just not enough, and we forget that God's strength is our strength, that God is with us, that God is there to help us with the things that we have anxiety about. So start with Jesus, right? In your life right now, what's causing you anxiety? Have you gone to Jesus and said, God, I need your help. I need to ask for your help, right? Just like that little boy, right? You haven't used all your strength because we haven't tapped into God's strength. God's strength is our strength, just as that boy's father's strength was his strength. I want to shift to a different book in the Bible now. This is Luke's gospel. This is Jesus, and he's going to tell a story to his disciples. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable, a story, to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) You could say politician, maybe. I don't know. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me, right? He just got tired of dealing with this woman who was asking for justice in her life. I think one thing that Jesus teaches us here is that one way that we can combat anxiety is to pray, is to ask God for help, to continue to ask God for help. God, help me with this situation. Lord, it's causing me lots of anxiety. Help me with this situation. I want to be persistent and call on the promises that I find in Scripture. Let's go back to Philippians again, to our next verse, Philippians 4, 6. Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything. Right? Easier said than done. Easier said than done. Again, anxiety, nothing wrong with that. We're going to feel anxious. There are going to be moments. But what he means is don't let anxiety dominate your life. But in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Okay, I want to break some of these words down for you here and go to the next slide, right? So prayer, what's prayer? It's a general devotion. It includes worshiping God, adoring God. God, you are great. 
It's talking to and listening to God. So it is talking to and listening to God, but it's also a posture, a posture of worship, a posture of adoration, right? It can be out loud. It can be in our minds. It can be individual. It can be together. But we offer God the things that are causing us anxiety. Supplication is is another word for what we just saw. And what it means, it suggests humility. So when we go to God, it's not like God owes us something. It's like, hey, God, figure this out for me, all right, buddy? Let's go. We approach God with humility. And we're not trying to control God. We're trying to ask humbly for God to help us. And then, of course, the request is a specific uh, petition for God. Right? So what we're learning from Jesus here, what we're learning from Paul, is kind of like saying we want to choose prayer over despair. Right? So we talked about being uh, contagiously calm, and now we're talking about choosing prayer over despair. When I'm feeling despair, when I'm feeling anxious, what do I do? I go to God and I petition God. I let God have my heart. Right? I'm humble before God. I, I make specific requests to God, right, to, to be specific. And I think it's important that we, we do pray to God specifically rather than just in general for a few reasons. Let's look at this. All right? One, a specific prayer is a serious prayer. Okay, so just think about in your life, like... You know, if you say to somebody, hey, let's get together, let's get together for lunch sometime, right? Does that ever really happen if you just say, hey, let's get together sometime? No, it's not. It's just something that we say to each other. But what if you say, hey, let's, I want you to come over to my house for lunch this Friday. That's serious, isn't it? Right? When you just say, hey, let's get together sometime, yeah, if it happens, great. If not, it's not a serious thing. But if you say, hey, let's get together on Friday for lunch, I want you to come to my house. That's serious. Because you have to cook something, right? Or you have to order something. You have to clean up your house. You have to uh, wash the dog hair out of the, co- out of the couch, right? You, you have to get ready, right? If you say, hey, why don't we go out sometime? Well, let's, what about Friday night? Let's have a date. Okay, right, right? I'm going to have to fix my hair up. Got to dress up. Got to shave my face. Got to paint my nails. Whatever it is that you do, right? It's serious when it's specific. So when we say to God, hey, Lord, I need your help. Help me have a good day. What does that mean? Right? What does it mean? It means, hey, Lord, can you be with me today? I've got, I've got some stressful things that are going to happen to me at work today. I've got a meeting that I need to go to, and I'm, I'm stressed about that because right, my boss is someone who intimidates me, and I just feel like a fool in front of her every time that I go before that. Right? To be specific is serious. Say, God, I need your help in specific circumstances. Right? So think about that in your prayer life. Right, the next one, a specific prayer is an opportunity for us to see God at work. Lord, I need your help. I'm not sure how you're going to answer this prayer, but I trust you. So let's see how you respond to that. I'm excited to see what you're going to do in my life about this specific thing that I'm asking you for. Right? And then thirdly, a specific prayer creates a lighter load. Right? When we pray to God specifically in our lives... It's a, it's a spiritual thing, and we're asking God for help, but it's also a, an emotional, psychological thing to say what it is that we're anxious about, right? It, it's, it, it, there's something powerful about us saying the things that bring us anxiety in our lives, right? To say, God, I'm stressed out by my boss. She intimidates me. I feel foolish in front of her. I don't know how to talk in front of her, right? Just to name that, right? You've given it to God, but you've also been able to identify what's stressing you out. Like when I 
say things specifically like to Laura or to God or whatever, it helps to get it out. It helps to get it all out. And then I can step back and say, wow, I really should be concerned about this. Or, you know, what's the, I've, I've said what's the root cause of what it is. Maybe it's not as big a deal as, as I'm making it. Jesus comes to, to, to this guy in the Bible who's a blind man, and the blind man wants to see Jesus. And Jesus asks him this question that sounds completely stupid. What can I do for you? Right? I'm blind. What do you think I want you to do for me? Right? I need a manicure. Right? I don't know. Right? It's... It's obvious I'm blind. Why are you asking me what, I can, what you can do for me? But Jesus wants the man to be able to articulate it more for himself than for Jesus. Jesus knows. Jesus knows what we need. Jesus knows what causes us anxiety. But there's something powerful for us to, to have a specific request in prayer to God. So I invite you to think and pray about that in your lives. What does that look like to to talk to Jesus specifically about the things that bring you anxiety? Maybe just give it a chance. See what happens. Now, i got to offer a couple of disclaimers here. Um, When we pray to Jesus and we ask Jesus to show up and do things specifically, right? Just remember that it says that we're supposed to be humble, right? We can't strong-arm God to say, okay, if you're really a good God, then you're going to do this. Or you owe me, God. You know, we, we have to come to God with, with humble hearts. And we have to also know, right, that there's not this secret formula that if we pray the right way, then we're going to get exactly what we want, right? If we hold our hands this way, then we're going to get the prayer answered. But if we hold them down here, we're not going to get the, the, the prayer answered, right? Or to talk to Jesus, we have to talk in King James English and say, thee and thou, otherwise Jesus is deaf, right? right? We come up with all these things, right? Can I have my eyes open or my eyes closed, Right? I think sometimes we think that God is this big cosmic vending machine that if we put in the right change and push the right button, we'll get exactly what we want. Right? One quarter, two quarter, three quarter, four quarter, five quarter, Mountain Dew. Boom! There it is. Right? Hey, I gave Jesus five minutes. Right? I was specific in my prayer. Right? I held my hands this way. I used some King James English. Boom! My dream date showing up tonight at five o'clock. Right? Guess what? God is not a vending machine. Can y'all say that with me? God is not a vending machine. But he does ask us to pray. He does ask us to be specific. He does ask us to to be gentle in our prayers and and for our hearts to be humble before God. All right, so I want to think just a minute with you about, so when we pray, we pray specifically, we've given it to God. What kind of an answer can we expect from God? Well, sometimes we get the exact thing that we pray for, right? You pray for something, it happens just exactly how you, however you want it, and you're like, woohoo, this is awesome. I figured out the vending machine, right? Sometimes we pray, we don't get what we want, but we get something better that we didn't even know was coming. God answers our prayers in a way that we never expected, and it goes beyond what we could have ever hoped for. And that's an awesome moment as well, right? And sometimes we pray, and we don't get either one of those. We don't get an answer that we think is a good answer. Or we don't get an answer that we can see yet, and we're still kind of in limbo and wondering, okay, I prayed, I'm not seeing anything, or I'm not seeing anything positive. Where is God in the midst of this? And that's hard, and that's tough. And I've been there with you. I'm there sometimes right now in some prayers. Sometimes prayers take a long time to be answered. Sometimes I don't understand the answer was there. I just couldn't see it at the time until later. And sometimes you're in the midst of that and you're just not sure what it is, right? And that's where 
We've got to be mature in our faith and go back to what it says in the scriptures, right? To be gentle and to know that the Lord is near. Even though we don't see an answer to our prayer or it's not the answer that we want or we're still struggling, what's the good news in that? God is with us. God is with us in our anxious situation, and God will help us deal with this situation when it comes to a head, right? So we've got to trust God. We can't manipulate God. God's not a vending machine. But we can take comfort that we're not alone and that God is with us in whatever anxiety is going on in our lives right now. So that's a lot, I know, right? So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? And this is what I think it is, right? Ask God for help, right? Ask God for help. When you are anxious, ask God for help. Be specific about it. Be humble about it. Go to God and ask God for help. So two things that I think we talked about today you can practice. One, be contagiously calm, right? Let your gentleness be known to everyone. And trust because the Lord is near, right? So begin to ask and pray for a contagiously calm life, right? Again, you can have a fiery personality and still be contagiously calm, right? So this is something that we can think and pray about. God, how can I become more contagiously calm, right? And then secondly, right, choose prayer, not despair, right? When we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling anxious, right, it's easy to go to despair, but we can choose prayer. God is with me. God hears my prayers. God answers my prayers. I got to trust God in that. Right, and know that God is with me in the meantime if I'm not seeing the answers that I want or at all. Right? God is with me. So I want you right now to think about what are, what's the number one thing that's causing you anxiety in your life right now? What is it in your head? Right? Specifically, what is that? What can you say to God later today? Or maybe in just a minute when we're singing to God. Right? What is that, that thing that's causing you stress? And I want you to see it kind of metaphorically. Right? Whatever it is that, that your anxiety is, is a submarine. And you're in that submarine, and your submarine can blow up a lot. It can blow up like a nuclear weapon. It can blow up your life. It can blow up the lives of people that you care about. Right? You've been on top of the ocean, and a hurricane hits you, and you feel like you're going to throw up. Your instruments, your guidance is kind of off. Right? You've gone down, and you're over 100 degrees. You're claustrophobic inside this sub, and all this stress is going on. And all of a sudden, there's explosions going around you. Right? Your boss is causing trouble. Your coach is causing trouble. Right? Your teacher is causing you trouble. Your neighbor is causing you trouble. Right? You're causing, all this stuff's going on. Right? Are you going to respond by just saying, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to hit the nuclear button and let the whole world fall apart. Are you going to be like that Russian chief of staff? You're going to call yourself into the room and say, can I talk to you for just a second? Why don't we just call for help? Why don't we just call for help? Why don't we call to God? And choose prayer instead of despair. And choose calm instead of panic. Where are you in your submarine? And how will you respond to that? Ask God for help. Be contagiously calm. And choose prayer, not despair, as you battle your anxiety. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.